Hey guys, and welcome back to Sounds Like a You Problem podcast, where I talk about the victim mentality and things that I have done in sobriety and through just taking inventory of my life in general to change my life for the better. Today's episode, I'm sure you can tell by the title, is going to be just different things, different outlets, different resources and solutions I have found to being able to stay sober for as long as I have and being able to make it enjoyable and also easier. So there's going to be a ton of tips and tricks as far as like socialization to hobbies to all of it. So let's go ahead and get into this episode. One of the most valuable lessons that I have learned in sobriety is taking inventory of your life. And what I mean by that is you're going to sit back and look at all of your friends all of your family members, all of your hobbies, and the things that you do often or on a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis. You're going to look at your routines and your habits, essentially, what shows up consistently in your life. And nine times out of ten, there are a lot of rearranging boundaries and honestly a lot of times where you just have to take the inventory out of your life. For example, friends, that's why everyone says sobriety can be really lonely. There's a lot of times where you don't realize that your friends aren't actually your friends until you get sober or they're not benefiting you or they're just your friends because you did whatever you did with them. And that comes up very often and it can be a harsh reality, but that's just the honest truth. I don't go out. I don't go out anymore. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't represent the life that I want to live. It doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't contribute to anything that I'm trying to reach goal-wise. So by taking inventory of my life, those are one of the, it's just one of the things that I don't do anymore. So I don't go out to bars. I don't go out dancing. I don't do that. Instead, I've replaced that with mini golf and escape rooms and bowling and family events. And that's where I get my socialization. That is where I fill my cup up socially, if you will. Not only do I enjoy that more, but it serves me more. I will go out to eat or whatever it may be, whatever fits your lifestyle. If you want to go golfing or you want to take up something else. And that leads me into my next tip, which is (laughs) learning new things. Not only has this helped me as I get older, kind of shape who I am as a person, but it helps me to explore things, focus things, find new things that I love. So for example, this last year, I learned how to ride a motorcycle and bought a motorcycle. One of the things that I'm currently trying to do, though I don't put that much time into it, is learning to play the piano. I recently took up video games, just different things, different hobbies, different outlets. When I first got sober, I was taking up like crocheting and painting and embroidery and I had a couple of different jobs and I was just doing so many different things because I wanted to find new hobbies. I wanted to find more enriching, nurturing ways to spend my time because if you're an addict, that's a full-time job. Being an addiction is a full-time job. Finding money to get it, taking, doing whatever task it does to get that money to get it, going to get it, doing the drug, doing the alcohol, whatever you want to call it, and then the cycle repeats. So you end up having a lot of time on your hands and the best way that I found to deal with that time in the beginning was rest because my body really needed it and then the next step was working a lot because I had a lot of financial limitations and stressors on me after getting sober and then it moved on to just like hobbies and exploring new things and figuring out what I enjoy doing with my time. And that all comes back to like taking inventory of your life. Um, None of the friends that I was friends with inactive alcoholism are my friends anymore and all of those choices were mine except one which was a friendship breakup that I've talked about here a a lot in a couple different episodes if you guys want to like hear about that but she she just told me she didn't want to be a friend anymore for no reason um and like looking back I'm actually grateful for that but again I don't actually have any more friends and another way that I have helped 
myself stay sober, even though I don't necessarily have people to lean on, is like my relationships with my family and my significant other significant other have deepened and become more meaningful and have a lot more layers than they did before because I'm able to spend more genuine time in those categories and nurture them in ways that they need because I'm not numb or blind to those areas of my life anymore like I was when I was drinking. So those relationships are a lot more fulfilling for me now and I don't really find myself needing to fill that void with anything else. I also work a lot and I have a lot of goals and it's hard to find people that not only have the same morals and values and align with you but don't smoke or drink or partake in going out so it's hard to find someone where you can enjoy your time with that. I know that my group of girls, my group of friends is on its way to me. It's it's coming um, and I can't just like expect to not go anywhere and then make friends. I definitely like find my community on TikTok and local groups on Facebook, which is an online community, of course, but also just with playing video games with family members and um, scheduling card nights, like board game nights with my family is something that we're looking forward to doing this year. Another thing is for community, and then can be really good for you to find a community in sobriety is NA, AA, Celebrate Recovery. Church is one of mine as well. And all of these things will provide you with a sense of community, your village, so to speak. As everyone says, it always takes a village. And that is where I feel like my time is better well spent versus trying to find a female friend that fills all those categories and fits in all those little spaces for me because my sister fills so much of that for me or my significant other or my brother, my mom, like whoever it may be. So I find that I am filling my cup in that sense of community and socialization. So a little recap, what we've talked about so far, I still have a lot more to share, but community is really important. Taking inventory of your life and really figuring out where you spend your time and who you spend your time with is going to benefit you later on and make it easier to stay sober. Because if you're not hanging out with those people and you're not going to those places, you're not going to need that thing, that alcohol, that drug, whatever it was, to keep you busy with those people or in those places. So it really is just all about changing your people, your places, and your things. And that can be daunting and scary. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Like, I like the way my life is. I just also don't want to be addicted to the substance. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, really, truly. And it's not to say that your situation will be the exact same as mine, where you lose every single friend or you lose every single person in your life or you lose every single hobby. But it is to say that a lot of that will probably change. And it feels very resist. Like I felt really resistant to do so in the beginning, but now I couldn't imagine my life any other way. And I'm actually a lot happier with how it looks now versus when it was when I was drinking, even though I couldn't really picture it any other way when I was drinking. I just wanted the same life, but alcohol to just not be around. And it's just not the reality of how it turned out for me. And I'm grateful for that. In the moment of deciding and making the decision and the choice to quit drinking alcohol, that terrified me. And I really didn't know how that was going to go, but I did have very low expectations, which I think benefited me in the long run. I also want to talk about how important it is to tell everyone that you're sober. Everyone all the time. I'm a professional makeup artist, so I go to weddings very often. And what happens at weddings before the ceremony when I'm doing the makeup and all the girls are in a room, they're drinking mimosas. And every single time I show up, I say I'm sober because there it is always offered to me. It is always around. And I could just as easily be in some faraway place with these faraway people that I don't know where information isn't going to travel and I could make reservations for myself. And I use this phrase a lot, but by making reservations, what I'm saying is picking a time, place, an event, essentially, to reserve 
time out to be able to consume that substance again. So I would be making reservations if I didn't show up and be completely honest with those people and let them know that I am in sobriety and recovery. And oftentimes, um, every time actually I've ever said it, they are super respectful, super just like, oh, I totally understand. I get it. Great for you. Do you mind if I drink in front of you? And I don't. I know what I'm getting into when I go to a wedding. I know like to be prepared because I would never ask someone to not do what they want to do as a client of mine, you know what I'm saying? As long as it's with within safety reasons, essentially, I would not ask someone to change the way their wedding day looks like to them and their dream day looks like to them just for my comfortability. So I'm always prepared for that. And I always know that. However, there have been times I've been invited to children's birthday parties and baby showers, and there has been alcohol. And that is really upsetting. <laughs> it's unfortunate. There have been a couple times where I've showed up and I'm just like, whoa, of course, those people, like, I'm not making reservations and I don't have to, like, tell them about my sobriety. Most of the time, those people that are inviting me to those more intimate events know that I'm sober. But only about 50% of the time do they give you a heads up that there's going to be alcohol present. And for all those people who have given me a heads up, I am internally grateful because there are just days in sobriety that are harder than others. And having that heads up to be able to prepare yourself mentally and physically and emotionally that you're going to be surrounded by alcohol, you're going to make that choice to attend that event, even though there'll be alcohol present, is so much easier to navigate when you have a heads up. So if you have someone in your family that's um, in recovery from alcoholism, do them a favor and just give them a heads up that there's going to be beer <laughs> at your birthday party or that people are going to be drinking mimosas at your baby shower because it's it's unfortunate whenever you're not able to prepare yourself and then you feel uncomfortable and have a really just, for lack of a better term, bad taste in your mouth through the whole event. No one wants to be in that headspace in recovery. They want to be there and support you and enjoy the opportunity. So making reservations is something where you keep a secret and you don't tell anyone what's going on. So I think it's really important to tell anyone and everyone about your sobriety. It also sparks a lot of conversation, which can spark a lot of perspective change. Conversation can lead to the changing of your perspective, which is why I have this podcast genuinely. But it also can help you to relate to other people and feel heard and feel seen, which is really important, especially with how lonely sobriety can be for a lot of us. So... For instance, someone was checking me out at Target a couple years ago and they were like, wow, that's a lot of sparkling water. You must love this. And I was like, I actually really do love it. I was like, but I got into it because I got I got sober and it ended up just being something that I really, really loved. And they were like, oh, wow, like my brother is struggling with getting sober. Um, he struggles with alcoholism. And she like opened up to me like while she was cashing me out, struggling, like she needed to be heard. She needed to be seen and she knows that I wouldn't judge her and I would understand like her relationship with her brother and like the decisions he's making. And it can just be a really beautiful thing. So I always tell anyone that I can about my sobriety. I scream it from the rooftops. I talk about it all the time. I don't care if people look at it as a personality trait. It is a personality trait because it's part of my personality and it is the most important thing in my life. So I have to protect it. And the best way that I can protect it is by not keeping it a secret. Something that I have already talked about prior is like not feeling bad to cancel or drop plans or back out or say no. A lot of people talk about the fear of missing out, but honestly, learn to find the joy of missing out. There is joy in just saying no and not having to go to an event or whatever it may be. So when those people like give, do give you a heads up, for instance, about a baby shower or a wedding or a birthday party or whatever it may be, and like, hey, there's going to be alcohol here, um, which people have done in my life for me and I'm grateful for it. There are some times where I have to turn down that opportunity. Just recently, someone invited me to a baby shower and they let me know that there was going to be alcohol there. And I'm so glad that they did because that's 
really, it just seems like the place that there wouldn't be alcohol because the woman is pregnant and it's to celebrate her and her child. And obviously she cannot consume alcohol, but she let me know that there was going to be alcohol there. And it's just an event that I can't say yes or no to this far in the future because I'm not sure how I'm going to be feeling that day. And whenever I recognize that I'm having a hard day, I let the individual that's hosting the party or whatever it may be, the event, that I'm just not strong enough mentally to handle being around it. Like, that it's just, it's not, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth and it's not going to be a good time for me. And I'm allowed to have those boundaries. I'm allowed to set those boundaries. And if you have anyone that doesn't respond to that with appreciation that you gave them a heads up, with appreciation that you gave them honesty, with respecting your boundaries and understanding that it's what's most important for you and your sobriety, then those people, you should probably evaluate your relationship with them because if they cannot give you grace while you're going through a very, very big change, a very difficult time in your life, then they don't deserve to stick around in your life. Like you don't want those type of people around. I don't want those type of people around personally. So I feel like that's a really good heads up to recognize when someone doesn't respect a boundary and doesn't understand your recovery process. And you have to eliminate those people out of your life almost all together, but you also can find ways to hold them at a very far distance with boundaries if they respect those boundaries you put in place. Because just because you make a boundary does not mean everyone is going to follow through with listening and respecting your boundaries. So keep that in mind. Not everyone will actually just understand or respect your boundary just because you created one, which can make boundaries very difficult, hard, and challenging. But ultimately, you know, you need people in, the li in your life that hold you accountable and hold themselves accountable. Like, that's who I'm trying to be around. That is who I want to spend my time with. That is who I want to be surrounded by. One of the last things that I'm going to talk about, just because it's really the last thing I can think of right now, though there are many things that have helped me through sobriety and helped me get through, is the obvious mocktails. I don't regularly drink mocktails, but um, there was a phase I had where I was trying non-alcoholic alternatives and just straight up mocktails. It can be fun. It can replace that ritual and that habitual experience that you had when you were consuming alcohol and that can be really beneficial for some people because it doesn't feel like as drastic of a change since they're still like have making that drink and maybe adding a garnish and maybe adding ice and maybe like like it's a whole ritual right like it's a whole little thing so I understand that mocktails can be beneficial because it's less of a drastic change it's more of like you know not a, a just a straight drop off it turns it into a little bit more of a slope from going to drinking alcohol the time to drinking no alcohol. I personally, it was like a year into sobriety, I think, before I ended up even trying any mocktails. And I enjoy them here and there, but it's never when I'm like craving a drink or wanting a drink. I didn't want to replace my cravings or my my feeling like I didn't want to give into any cravings with a mocktail because I felt like that would be supporting unhealthy habits that I had prior when I was an alcoholic. So I made two I made sure to be very intentional about when I was consuming a mocktail and why. Because I didn't want it to be a coping mechanism. I didn't want it to replace everything. Some people do that and it ends up just fine for them, but I really wanted to take everything very, very seriously and give myself the best shot at long-term sobriety. So that is what I did. And last but not least, I created a nighttime routine. It was really hard to sleep in the beginning when you stop drinking. I can make a whole video of like what to expect when you first get sober and like things that are going to happen and like maybe things that I didn't expect to happen when I was sober, when I got sober. So if that's something you'd be interested in, just let me know because I can totally make that video for you guys, that episode. But as far as like nighttime routines, I needed 
strict guidelines on what to do every single evening to tire myself out because I struggled with sleep and I also struggled with having any order in my life because I was an alcoholic. So um, a nighttime routine really, really helped me. It also helped me to focus on my why. I talk about my why in addiction and recovery because you need a why. You need a catalyst. You need a reason to get sober or you're not going to change. So you find your why and then you build from that. And my why was to love myself more. I realized that my drinking habits were a direct reflection of the fact that I did not care about myself or my life in general. And I wanted to change that completely. And I did a whole 180. So by creating a nighttime routine, it helped me to have expectations for what every single evening would look like. But it also helped me really, really dive into self-care and what that looks like for me. So I created a way better oral hygiene routine, way better habits when it came to my skincare and removal of makeup, way better habits when it came to uh, significant bedtimes and getting the allotted amount of sleep, that the needed, the allotted, the needed amount of sleep. I, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> and it ultimately set me up to have really successful mornings and days and much more productive days because I knew what was coming at my night time. I knew what I was doing at night. I knew all of these things. Like it started to also build up my confidence and trust within myself that I was going to follow through on my word. So by building that small nighttime routine, I could set healthy little habits and routines that helped me ultimately like build up on that. And now I like go to the gym and plan every single month and have a mood board and a vision board and goals that I work towards every single day. And I'm self-employed. So it's one of those things where I could very easily and very much did so get depressed last year and just sat on the couch and wasted a lot of my time and honestly a lot of my life and I don't want to waste any more of it. I did plenty of that when I was in active alcoholism. I want to be productive. I want to be happy. I want to be constantly learning and growing and one of the ways that I also do that is by constantly consuming information that can be helpful to my growth as a person but also to sobriety. So audiobooks, self-help books, podcasts, writing a diary entry, journaling, brain dumping, writing. Writing, talking, reading, and community are the most important in my opinion and so you really have to just take inventory and make sure that you have the right community, that you're intaking the right information that's helpful for who you want to be and that you're also, you know, talking it out either with a trusted individual, a loved one, or make a Snapchat video on your phone and save it. Don't send it to anyone because you, you talking about it gets your feelings out and helps you process it, helps you put words to all the thoughts that are swirling around in your brain. And when I write something down, I feel like it it gets pulled out of rotation of the swirl in my brain that is 24-7, and maybe that's my ADHD, but when I write stuff down, I know that I can always go reference it, I can always go look back at it, I always have it, and it almost like gives myself permission to take it out of my brain, to take it out of all the thoughts that are swirling around constantly, and that's been really helpful for me, so any form of writing or audibly speaking about it, and then I like to replace that with helpful information and just a positive mindset overall because the Sounds Like a You Problem podcast is all about getting rid of the victim mentality and stopping and really acknowledging if you are blaming life for everything that happens to you instead of looking at things that are happening for you. And oftentimes as an addict, it's hard to not think that everything is just happening to you constantly. Um, so in sobriety, I did a lot of work on my mindset and everything to make myself realize that things were happening for me and to change my perspective and overall outlook just on life in general. So I hope this episode helps some of you guys. I hope maybe it gives you a little bit of insight to a loved one or a family member or maybe gives you some suggestion 
advice, solutions to problems you've been facing. I know that writing and talking help me the most when it comes to big emotions that I have not yet felt in sobriety, whether it's poetry, a journal entry, a brain dump, or like a letter to myself. That can be really, really helpful. Even if you burn it afterwards or rip it up to shreds or put it in the paper shredder, it doesn't matter. Just getting it out helps it get out of your brain. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I am so proud of you if you are sober today or you're trying to get sober. I am so happy for this little community that we have built. You guys are always so supportive and kind in the comments and I appreciate that, especially on my addiction video that got more views than I ever expected for it to get. So I'm just really thankful for that and if you want any more sobriety recovery related episodes, and information, let me know and I can make a video for you guys because um, I really feel like I've mastered it. I really feel like I've perfected it. I know I always have more room to grow and more room to be better and become better, but I just really enjoy where I've gotten and how far I've gotten and how quick it seems that I've gotten there. And I just want to share all this with you so you guys can be the most successful versions of yourself and make sure that you're not taking on the victim mentality. I hope you guys have a great day wherever you are and I will see you, you'll hear me in the next episode of Sounds Like a You Problem podcast. Bye.